this past couple of weeks, um, coming out of Easter, I've kind of been trying to wrap up this story in uh, Easter story. We're still talking about the Easter story, by the way. We're like mid-May, and I'm still f- trying to figure out Easter. But there's this great sort of finish to it in Luke, and it ends up being the center of his, really, his two books. And so there's the resurrection. Then, then there's these encounters that Jesus has with the people after that, and their process of, of kind of rediscovering Jesus and this this kind of new Jesus, the same Jesus, but he's a little different. Uh, he's, he looks the same, but also not the same. There's something new about this Jesus that's, that's come onto the scene. He's come back to, uh, come back to, to life in, incarnate in flesh and blood, and he begins to, to have uh, reveal himself to, to his disciples first. The first thing for him was, I need to connect with my disciples, and we've seen this sort of process over the past few weeks if you've been with us. Uh, talking with Mary, from Mary in the garden to these two disciples who are on a road to Emmaus, and he's walking alongside of him, and uh, they don't recognize him, and then he kind of reveals himself. So uh, we want to finish that up, I think, today, uh, and there's a couple more appearances he makes, but what do you notice around these stories from, from Mary and from the disciples who had to kind of process through his death on Friday and Saturday uh, there's, there's hope, but it's also really shrouded in this sort of doubt and sorrow, right? There's, we, we believe that there's something about Jesus, that he, there was something more to this, but we just don't see it. And even as he appears to them, they don't quite believe it, even when he's standing right there. Jesus is standing right there in front of, in front of them. They're like, I'm not sure. I'm still not sure. I have this, this bit of doubt and disbelief, even though I want to believe and I want to have faith. Part of me is, is struggling to, to fully give in. And I read this great quote this week from a, a German theologian from the early 1900s. It says, doubt isn't the opposite of faith. It's an element of faith. I think it's a great kind of sediment for us to sort of wrestle with a little bit because we often call it much of a, this tension. I'm not even sure it's a tension. Like the doubt is going to be part of our faith. If, it, if there was no doubt in faith, could it actually be, be faith? Could you have faith in something that you're so certain about? There has to be a little bit of room. And we see this for these, these people that Jesus is revealing himself to. Like, I, I want to believe. I, I think I see it, but I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not totally sure, even if I can believe what I'm seeing. Uh, a number of years ago, I had the privilege of leading a team, a mission team to Fiji. I was part of a, a school out there. And uh, one of the processes in my, my discipleship was, was taking a, a mission team to Fiji. And we were over there for about three months uh, doing different ministries in churches and villages. And uh, we did some clean water wells and medical clinics and uh, teaching and preaching and, and Bible studies and, and the whole thing. And one of the practices we had there, we do, we do uh, village door-to-door kind of stuff. You just kind of go knock on village doors in these little villages and, and say hi. And typically you're, you're accompanied by a pastor who hopefully knew somebody and and just kind of ask, hey, how can we help you? Is there anything you need? And, and sometimes it was very practical, um, and sometimes it was nothing, and sometimes we can, we can satisfy that with, oh, we can fix that, or we can bring that, or so we can just pray for you. But we always prayed for everybody at the end of it. Can we pray for you? Can we pray for you? And so you've heard this story, but I'm, I'm on this kind of door-to-door outreach thing, and our team breaks up. We're probably in groups of three, and get to this one house. Hey, anything we can do, do for you, you know, via translator, we're here here from a local, uh, with a local church, we're missionaries uh, from, from the United States, and, and they said, well, could you pray for our, basically, could you pray for our grandma, our great-grandma, and there was this really older woman on the floor in these little huts, and she was kind of shriveled up, and, and she moved around, kind of scooting around on her side. Uh, you could tell she was de- debilitated in some way, and, you know, we didn't know the whole story, was it her back, had she always been like that, was there an accident, but I said, can you pray for 
pray for this lady. Uh, she's in a lot of pain, and, and, and she can't get around. And so, you know, that's what you're there for. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Obviously, we're going to pray for this lady. And I've got a couple, say, students with me who are on the team. So I was their leader, and like, let's, let's do this. And you kind of go into these situations, at least I do. I'm like, like, I believe we could actually heal her, but I also don't think we can heal her, right? You're like, I, I think this can happen, but I'm actually, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. And we start praying for this lady, and, and, you know, I'm praying bold prayers. One of them, I'm with these other, these younger students, and I'm just trying to pray really bold prayers and, like, claim it and just be healed, and we believe, believe in the power of God over this woman's life. And, and a few of us pray, and we, and we, and we get done, and, and this woman's crying. Like, she's, she's, she's weeping, and, and, and she starts to sit up, and she says something to one of the other people in the house, and, and they're, like, they're like, she's healed. They said she feels better, and we're like, Oh, yeah, of course she is, you know. But I'm like, well, I'm like, really? You sure? Like, you might want to get that checked out later. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm trying to believe this moment in, in the move of the Spirit, which I absolutely believe in. I believe in healing. I believe God can move in those ways. I'm watching this thing happen, and there's still this sort of tension in me. Like, I don't know. Really? Did our prayers do that? Like, was I part of this? Is that, was she really sick before? And you kind of go down these roads of, of doubt in, in this sort of human way, very human way. And that's part of our faith is wrestling in those moments. Like, is that God or not God? Is that, is that just me? I think it's God, but I'm, I'm not sure. And, and giving away, like, yeah, let's just step into the moment of, and have faith in that moment. Uh, this past week, I think it was this week or maybe last week, my, my wife and I and our kids went for a hike through the botanical gardens here in Ventura with a friend. And just beautiful evening. We go all the way up to the top, you know, kind of um, if you've been up there through the gardens and up to the next level, and it's kind of up toward where the cross is, and really great, great hike, these different trails, it's just grown with, with flowers and bushes, and uh, really fun, we're on our way back down, and we're like, probably at least halfway, maybe three quarters of the way back down, it's getting dark, and my wife's like, guys, where's my keys, and we're like, I, I don't know, we never had your keys, and she's like, I had them, I'm like, well, then where are they, and, she, and she's like, they're my, not in my pockets, I'm like, you don't even have pockets, like, where did you put your keys, you're in like a sweatshirt and like running pants, where, where did the keys go, and she's like, oh my gosh, like, Maybe they're, maybe they're down there, or they back up there, or they fall off in, a, in, in some bushes somewhere, and it's getting dark. Like, we, do we go back for them? Do we wait till tomorrow? And I'm like, oh, man. I, I, and we only have one set of keys because one, one of us lost the other keys. Amy lost the other set of keys. And, and so we're down to one set of keys. Like, man, I knew I should have replaced those keys sooner. Now I'm like, now we have no keys potentially, and it's all going through my mind. I'm trying to just be calm and not freak out on, on the trail. And and uh, like, all right, look, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll, I said, let's, let's find him tomorrow. It's one of those things where we're just not going to go back tonight. It's getting dark. I could just imagine how that would go. And, and she's like, no, we've got to go back. And, and, I just, and I just like, I'm like, ah, God, please help us find the keys. And, and I almost hesitate in those moments for me. And this is me and my sort of process. I'm like, do I want to bother God with my lost keys right now that, that we lost because we were irresponsible or dropped them? And, and now I'm in a bunch of trouble because I'd never got my other keys copied when I should have done that. So I'm like, now I'm going to send a quick note up to God, who I'm sure is busy doing other God things that are more important than finding my keys. But I just sort of whisper it out. I'm like, I don't even know if that matters or if I even want you to hear that I prayed that, God. But we'd love to have the keys back, <laughs> you know, as if I'm kind of insecure about in that sort of moment. Is that something I, I send up? And Amy goes up, and I kind of go down. We're, we sent some, some from our family down to the car. Like, maybe they're down there. Maybe somebody found them. And, and Amy goes back up. And, 
and, I'm, and, and I get a you know, call from the trail, and, and she's like, somebody found them. Somebody has our keys. And, and they had brought them down in the parking lot, and they were waiting for us down there. They figured, well, we found these keys. Someone's going to get down here. They're not going anywhere. So these, these people were waiting for us with, the, with their keys. And, and we get down there, and, and, and you get in the car, and these, this other group comes down uh, behind us. I, had, I hadn't ran into, but my wife had run into. And, and she said, she, she told me, we're oh, looking for our keys. Like, oh, we'll, we'll pray that you find your keys. And, uh, and Amy's like, oh, I found the keys. And they're like, oh, cool. Like, he found the keys. And they had prayed for the keys. And, and he wondered in these moments, because it's really cool, like, did God help us find the keys? Like, it seemed like he might have. Or did we just find the keys? Like, I, it was kind of a miracle we found them, or were just some people pick them up. And these are those things that the disciples are kind of feeling in this moment, like, is that Jesus? Is he really back? Is this all this stuff actually going to happen? Now, it seems like it, it might, but I just can't. I just can't believe it. Is God active in our universe, which I, I believe God is active in our universe? And if so, is he in our day-to-day? And, and if we see him pop up, do we believe that's God there? That's God there. I believe that's God there. And, and, and I, I know some of us have these insecurities about trying to be over-spiritual, because sometimes we know people who everything is God and everything's the devil, and you're like, oh, my gosh, you're like, you just lost your keys. Don't, like, the devil didn't take your keys, you know? But, but it's also we don't want to miss out if Jesus is in our midst, because we're just rationalizing everything. And so we see this, 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 we'll pick this up in the end of Luke here. And if you're with us, we, we, we had this story with these disciples. We're walking along this road, and, and Jesus walks alongside of them. And he doesn't say who it is. They don't know who it is. They're really downtrodden. And, and eventually, Jesus kind of reveals himself to them, or they, they understand Jesus. And they, they run back to these other, uh, these other disciples in Jerusalem, and they start sharing the news. And Mary had shared the news. So the, so the word is kind of getting out. Jesus, he's not in the tomb, and I, we actually think he's alive. We actually think he's somewhere around here. But the disciples are still like, eh, I don't know. Like, when you hear something from a friend, and, like, you believe the friend, but you don't really believe it, like, what are you going to say? Well, you're telling me, so I'm going to believe it, but deep inside, I, I'm not sure if I buy into it. So we have this, we have this, this sort of end of, of Luke's tale here. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as they were breaking bread. And just as they were telling it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. So they had just gotten these reports, multiple reports, mind you. So, so Mary had a report, Mary Magdalene. Peter, by this time, had a report. These other two guys had now had a report. Like, Jesus is, he's alive, but when they see him, they're like, whoa, that's, no, we don't really believe that. That's, that's a ghost. That's, that's something else. Like that, this, is, this is uncomfortable for us now that he's actually here, right? And how many of us have kind of felt like that? Man, I really wish God would show up in my life. But man, if he does, you might feel a little uncomfortable. Like, oh my gosh, the presence of God is upon me now. Like, that changes everything. It's almost easier just to kind of know that he's alive in somewhere else, but then he shows up in the room. Like, what is the implication for these, these guys in this moment? And so Jesus shows up, and he's, why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies as you, as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and feet. And Jesus has this very just gracious, gentle, kind of God-human moment with these guys who are, who are visibly afraid visibly afraid, not understanding. They don't get this story. They don't totally get how God can come back. They like the idea of the story, but when he actually is there, it really freaks them out. He says, look, it's just me. 
It's the same me. It's the same guy. The same guy we've, we, we went through these, all these previous chapters and stories and healings and meals and jokes. It's me. Check out my hands. And he lets him touch his hands. And, and this is a beautiful, accessible God. When we, when we learn about Jesus, we're learning about God. And when he comes into the room, his heart is not that people would run or be afraid. He said, hey, come, come closer. It's me. It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Jesus extends himself uh, to, these, to these, these disciples in this moment. And what they had been told about him being alive was now really becoming true. It was, becoming, it was incarnating in front of them. And, and for many of us, as we interact with God in our own lives and those around us, we, we've heard these stories, we believe in these other stories. We want God to work in our lives, but we, we're not totally sure we want him to show up in our house. <laughs> and it's one thing if, to, to believe someone else's story. It's another for that story to come to you. And this is, a, this is a gospel moment for these disciples. It was somebody else's story. It was the two disciples on the road. It was their story, their Jesus, their encounter. It was Mary Magdalene. It was her Jesus, her encounter. It was Peter. It was his encounter, John. And now it was their encounter. And see, if the story of God for you is just about someone else's encounter, like you're missing out. You're missing out. There's something very beautiful about a God who would extend his hands and sort of let you, let you touch him and, and get to know him. So don't be afraid. And this is a great, great sort of part of the story. It says, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you, have, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. They stood there in disbelief, but filled with joy and wonder. And I love this sort of idea of, of, of not believing, but actually be, also being really excited and captivated by the wonder of God in this moment. And why you learn about you learn about Jesus, you learn about God. He's okay with those sort of running emotions. Like, I don't know if I get this, but it seems kind of awesome. Great. That works. That's okay. Wonder about God. You don't have to understand God. You can't completely understand God. The Greek word for disbelief here is apisteo. And, it, and, it, and beyond just meaning to, to not believe, it carries this nuance to betray trust. Apisteo, to betray trust. So even for these guys, disciples and for you and I in our lives is we have a built trust about God that we've learned about from a teacher or the text or wherever you've, you've got your you know, formative information about God. We have a trust there, but sometimes we have this apostale moment where something betrays that trust. That I, I know God's good, but I, I don't know in this moment. I know God can do it, but I'm not so sure. I'm no, I know God's capable of healing, but I, I don't really know if he can. I know God can work out my life, but I'm not sure if he can. We have these apostale moments where we, we, we betray our trust, our own belief, and that's this little bit of doubt that creeps in. And I see Jesus here, but it might be too good to be true. It's a great idea, but I, I'm, I'm even looking right at Jesus, and I, I still don't totally believe it. Man, and if the guys at this time, the first century, walking with Jesus are wrestling with those things, I just want to encourage you, it's okay if you are. It's okay for us to do that together, even in this context of community. Like, I don't understand God 100%. I'll share that with you right now, <laughs> right? But we can, we can wrestle through those moments of disbelief together. Like, okay, was he there? Yeah, he was there. It was weird in the moment, but he showed up, right? I, and I think God's working in my life. I think I see him in my workplace. I, I think I see him in my relationships and with my friends. But how could he? How can God even care? I think God maybe helped me find the keys, but 
I don't know. Does God even care about the keys? We have these, these apostale moments where we sort of like, mm, I don't know. And it sounds like just, just give in to the, the beauty of a God who's everywhere and all caring and all knowing and, and all present all the time. Like God is the most present person in this room. He's here now. And I love this element of the gospel. They stood there in disbelief and joy and wonder. And Jesus hung out with them. They're taking this moment and they're afraid. Like, don't be afraid. And they're just like in awe. And Jesus is like, you guys have anything to eat? Like, I'm hungry. That last bread I had at the other place, it wasn't that good. What do you have here? And one of the translations actually is meat. Like, he's looking for something real to eat. Like, he's hungry. He's been down and out for a couple days doing who knows what and fighting the devil in the pits of hell. And, like, he comes back and he wants to eat. He's like, let's hang out and eat. Let's break bread because it's, he's like, it's the same me. It's the same thing. I want to eat with you guys. Don't be afraid. Like, let's sit down and process thing out, this thing out a little more. And as he does that, he says, do you have anything to eat? Which is just classic as these guys are staring at Jesus in disbelief. They gave him a piece of fish, and he ate it as they watched. And then he said, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. So he's kind of alluding, and hey, we talked about this. We talked about this before. If you remember, we talked about this. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he, and he took time with them. And I love that about Jesus and the stories. And again, this is Luke. Remember, Luke loves a good meal. Like, he's going to work in another meal in his, in his gospel. Like, let's get these guys around the table. Let's break bread. Let's eat a fish. Let's talk about this stuff. There's, there's Jesus didn't say, no, you guys, you don't get it yet? Forget it. I'll go find someone else who does get it. He's like, all right. Well, we, I, he's like, I have time. Let's have dinner. Let me explain the scriptures to you. And that takes so much pressure off. God is okay to process with us through these things, through our disbelief, through our apostale moments. When God shows up, or if you, if you even paid attention and somewhere in your life, and you're like, I don't know, God. Like, God's like, all right, well, let's, let's talk. <laughs> what do you want to know? Let's figure that out. Let's figure that moment out. And so there's such a moment of, of, of grace and truth and beauty and just recognizing our humanity as, as, as Luke wraps up his resurrection story. So they stood there. In, in, in disbelief, but with joy and wonder. And for you and I, we want to keep joy and wonder at the center. We want to keep joy. We want to be excited. We want to be full of love and believe in the good things of God. And that's okay to have some disbelief. We want to try to keep it toward the margins. You, want to, you don't want to run your life from, from disbelief. It's okay to wrestle with it sometimes. But, but these guys, man, they had joy and wonder at the center. I, I love this uh, line I read from uh, G.K. Chesterton. He's a great thinker theologian. He said, the dignity of the artist lies in his duty of keeping awake the sense of wonder in the world. The dignity of the artist lies in his duty of keeping awake the sense of wonder in the world. And I I actually really identified with that, maybe not so much as an artist, but as a follower of Jesus. Someone who is trying to understand the life of Christ. For you and I, how can we spur one another on to keep awake the sense of wonder? to keep this sense of amazement about God kind of going through our everyday lives. So we have conversations like, man, you know what? That sounds like God has, like, showed up in your life. It sounds like God's speaking to you. It sounds like God was present with you. And, and wonder about that. Like, man, the, and the awe of the God of the universe who's, like I, like I you know, wrongly assume, like, ah, he's probably too busy doing God things, could actually be here and do God things here with me and with you. So we're going to do a couple more songs and just take a few moments here to kind of close the service. And we brought some bread and some juice, and 
just kind of offer that up to you in your, your own time through this first song. Uh, the way we'll do it here, just you take a piece of bread, you can dip it and hold on to that, and we'll lead that in just a few moments. But just to take a moment to reflect and remember. Remember the story of the table of Jesus breaking bread of communion. Like, do this in remembrance of me. And it captures so much. It captures so much. And that first table before, before the death and the resurrection, now again, they break bread again. Like, wow, remember Jesus showed up. Remember how Jesus showed up. And I wonder if there's a time in your life you could actually think back to, like, wow, Jesus showed up. And if you did it once, I'm pretty sure you can do it again. So, God, thanks for this afternoon. Thanks for this story. Lord, thank you that, thank you that we can approach you with disbelief and joy and wonder all together. And that's okay. Thank you for your grace. I thank you that you're a God who's accessible and extends your hands to us and your brokenness to us. I thank you that you're a God who would sit down and, and just be hungry, want to eat fish and talk. Thank you for that gospel, Lord. I pray your Holy Spirit would move in here these next few minutes as we, as we close out our time together.